For more than 40 years, Leo Leonard has been on a mission to clear the names of his employees who were involved in the PSA crash. On September 25, 1978, a Pacific Southwest Airlines jet collided with a Cessna over North Park, which was then the worst aviation disaster in history. The official report blames the flight crew for not seeing the Cessna, but notes several other contributing factors that caused the crash. Now 99, Leonard says he plans on focusing the rest of his life to clearing the crew's name. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Peter Rowe, you're a general assignment reporter for the UT, and you recently wrote a story about the co-founder of the PSA airline who wants to absolve the crew from wrongdoing. Why don't you explain, what is this man's mission? This is Leo Leonard, who's one of the founders of Pacific Southwest Airlines, which was founded in San Diego in the late 1940s. But locally, I think PSA is known for a number of things. Uh, The jets all had these kind of smiles painted on their nose. Uh, The stewardesses kind of pioneered hot pants and just really loud colored uh, uniforms. However, on September 25th, 1978, uh, PSA Flight 182 uh, was involved in what at that time was the worst aviation disaster in American history. It was coming in to land at Lindbergh Field when it collided with a a Cessna that had two people in it. Well, the the Cessna was destroyed and the airliner fell to earth. Its controls were destroyed by the impact of the crash. Everyone aboard the plane was killed, 135 people. Two people aboard the Cessna dead, and then there were seven people on the ground who also were killed, literally never knew what hit them. Yeah. It just came flying out of the sky and and demolished more than 20 houses. So it, it was a huge, huge disaster. It was international news. It was a big black eye for PSA. And what does the record say who's to blame for that crash? Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, the... The National Transportation Safety Board uh, sends investigators like almost at a moment's notice. I mean, it was within minutes of hearing of the wreck that they had investigators heading to San Diego. And so they collected all kinds of evidence. They talked to witnesses. They got the black boxes. They reviewed all of the conversations that were taking place between the plane and the control towers. All this, then they held five days of public hearings. Then they came out, finally, seven months after the accident, they came out with a report. Mm -hmm. And in the report, they said, yeah, well, you know, there are a lot of contributing factors in this accident. But really, the probable cause of the accident was the crew and the pilot of Flight 182 losing track of where the Cessna was. And could they see the Cessna as they were descending, or was it like hiding underneath them? What do we know about that? Yeah, well, what we know is that uh, PSA 182 was alerted to the fact that the Cessna uh, was in the area. It had been practicing uh, landing approaches at Lindbergh, uh, so they knew it was around, uh, but they thought they saw it. And at the time, they were relying on a system called see and avoid which is not a great system. I mean, 
Actually, you have to see it to avoid it, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but at the same time, it's as primitive as it sounds. And air traffic control, uh, both at Lindbergh Field and at another station at Miramar, they were both equipped with radar, and they, they both uh, saw PSA-182 and the Cessna on their radar screens. And in fact, something like 19 seconds before the accident, an alarm went off in Miramar at the air traffic control station there, warning that it looked like the two planes were getting too close and that they were on a, a dangerous kind of vectors. Well, that wasn't passed on to PSA-182. And PSA-182, within the cockpit, uh, there's some discussion of, is that the Cessna? Is that it over there? They thought they saw it somewhere else. Yeah, so they weren't able to see and avoid it because they couldn't see it. Right. When, in fact, the Cessna was underneath it, uh, was climbing as PSA-182 was descending, and PSA-182 descended onto it and tore it apart, and in the process, you know, it destroyed their, their controls. Mm-hmm. So, basically, this co-founder of PSA is trying to put the blame on the air traffic control as opposed to what is officially the cause of the crash, which is, they say, the people flying the plane. Yeah, well, let's go back to that uh, NTSB report, because one of the, there were four, four people at NTSB who wrote the report. And three of them signed off on, yeah, it's PSA 182's fault. And the fourth dissented and said, wait a minute, you list all these contributing factors. They seem to be more than just contributing factors. They seem to be probable causes as well. So he was very critical of the actions of the air traffic controllers that day, but also of the, of the Cessna's pilot, who drifted out of his, his approved lane, right? He, he was not where he should have been. So some years later, I think it was three years later, uh, NTSB revised the report and said that the, the dissenter was right, that all of these were probable causes of the accident. Well, for, for Leo Leonard, that's not enough. And he thinks that the flight crew of PSA 182 did everything they could have uh, they were not alerted to, you know, the fact that there was an alarm going off. They were not told that PSA 182 had left its assigned lane. They weren't told that the plane was beneath it. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, given all of those factors, how can you at all blame, you know, the the men and women who were aboard 182? And I imagine just like it's been almost it's been more than 40 years since this crash has happened, and the evolution of technology and also, you know, different things when air traffic control have changed so much that thinking about this crash is truly just all the bad things happen at the same time, which is why it happened. But, you know, can the blame be shifted? I'm not certain. Yeah, I don't know. It's really difficult at this point to say. I mean, there is a, a theory that you hear from airline pilots, and I've heard it from uh, several now, that an accident like this doesn't have one cause, yeah. that there, there are numerous causes and they, they all have to happen and kind of line up. One guy calls it the Swiss cheese theory. It's like all the holes in the, in the different layers of Swiss cheese have to line up. 
Uh, and in this case, they did. Um, now, uh, Leo Leonard is 99. He'll be 100 years old in November. And this is, this is maybe his, his final mission. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he really wants to get this done. And that's really a tough a tough ask, I think. Um, yeah, has anything like this happened before in which, like, an official report's released and then they're like, oh, sorry, never mind? Yeah, I don't know. And, and I don't know if it's ever happened after a gap of more than 40 years, right, coming back and saying, well, you know what, let's do this. Now, he's, I know he has uh, approached the folks at uh, San Diego Air and Space Museum, which has a, which has a fairly large PSA exhibit as part of the exhibit. There are some plaques that refer to the accident and that list people who died Mm -hmm. in the accident. There's no mention anywhere uh, in the museum as to who's at blame. You know, how did this accident happen? Mm -hmm. Leo would like there to be something in the in that exhibit saying, well, really, you know, um, all this happened. But the uh, the PSA employees were were not to blame. And is that something you think is possible with the museum? Because now you're seeing a little bit more politicization of museums and in public displays. Do you think we're in the right kind of cultural time for them to consider that? Possibly, but uh, talking to people at the museum now and talking to them off the record, they really didn't want to go on the record. Um, they are unwilling to get ahead of the official report. And right now, the official report basically says, you know what, everyone's to blame. Yes. So they don't want to be the ones to, <laughs> to say, well, not everyone, you know, not these guys. Yeah. And uh, what's the response from, from this story? What are people saying about this tragic moment in San Diego history? Well, I wrote about this uh, this accident uh, last September when it was the 40th anniversary, and there's tremendous response because either people were here, in which case it was one of those moments that you remember. You know, it's kind of like a a Pearl Harbor or a 9/11 on a smaller scale and more local, right? But I mean, if you were here that day, this is something you remember. If you weren't here that day. It comes as kind of a, a shock that something so terrible happened. Uh, you know, it was a, a pretty normal day in San Diego history until that happened. It was a, it was a hot Monday morning. Uh, it was going to be a, a high close to 100. Santa Ana winds were blowing. And actually, they think that that may have uh, contributed to the accident. It, it blew out all the cloud cover, all the marine layer. And so there was a lot of glare that day. So it may have affected PSA 182's ability to see and avoid. Yeah, and don't they, whenever the winds change like that, they have to change the flight path too. Yeah, they do. Um, and it was not um, it's not a straight flight path. In fact, I believe the plane was headed east when uh, both planes were headed east when they collided. Well, I, I really feel for uh, Mr. Leonard, I, I think um, – his heart's in the right place. He knew a lot of the people who were aboard that plane. Mm-hmm. He had hired the pilot uh, for, on that day. It was, uh, you know, piloting 182. Uh, I think he said he had hired four of the pilots who were aboard the plane. Um, and he just wants to do right by them. 
Now, I don't, I don't know if he can. Um, it's, it's one of these things where it's kind of a judgment call, and unfortunately, the people who really know um, aren't alive. It's a, certainly a tragic moment in San Diego history. Yeah, it is that. All right, Peter Rowe, thank you so much. My pleasure. In other transportation news, San Diego Metropolitan Transit System is holding forums this week to advocate for a sales tax increase. The 2020 ballot initiative would double the agency's budget and could be used for a variety of upgrades on rail, bus, and a possible ferry service. Despite a decline in rides, local governments have been pushing for expanded public transit as a means to fight climate change. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. You can also listen to Hot Lava, our Padres podcast. Union Tribune sports editor Jay Posner and baseball beat writer Kevin Acey talk about the team's up and downs, comings and goings. Look for it on your podcast app or go to uniontrib.com slash hotlava. Until next time.